Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. All right, hey, take your Bibles today and uh, uh, turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, this morning, uh, I'm doing a series on naked and unashamed. And um, hang on, that's last week's message. Hang on just a second, I got it. I got it. Yeah, okay. All right. So uh, this morning, I'm going to talk about dating relationships in singleness, okay? Now, in previous messages, you know, we talked about the naked truth about marriage, expectations, shared life experiences, communication. Last week, I talked about human sexuality, and if you've missed any of those, you need to go back and hear those to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together. But this morning, it is about singles, okay? It is about younger singles, older singles. I just want to say you are an important part of our of our church now the demographics of our church most people are married but there is you know we appreciate everyone has value you know in our in our faith community so in a moment we're going to read a good section out of first corinthians chapter seven all right and it's and first corinthians is a very messy book paul is stamping out fires all over the place in this church but in chapter 7 he stops for a moment and he talks to those that are single they're not married they're widowed they're divorced all of that and in that spirit this morning i want to do i want to do the same thing so i'm going to start with younger singles and then i'm going to work my way to adult singles but before we get to 1 Corinthians to everyone that is single here today I got some promises that I want to know that I want to remind you of that are working into your favor right now they're working for you and you would probably be able to quote these because they're very very uh, common but I want you to know you got some stuff working for you right now so first uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be given to you as well you know, put the Lord first. God's going to take care of all the details. Proverbs 3, 5. Here's another promise you have working for you this morning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean into your own understanding and all your ways. Submit to Him and He will make your path straight. So, trust the grand designer for your life. Don't make short-term decisions. Know that God's got a plan for you and it will unfold in your life if you don't get out there and make decisions and mess it up. The last one. Jeremiah 29 I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future God's got a purpose for you God's got a plan for you whatever age and stage you are in right now so I want you to know if you're single you got you got those promises at work in your life right now okay so just I'm gonna come back to that in a minute now first of all you know as you read 
in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says, hey, there's some things here that, man, maybe the Lord didn't tell me, but, man, I just want to share kind of my heart and my feeling in certain areas, and I'm going to do some of that this morning. There's The Bible is clear in some areas, but some, I just, as a pastor, I want to just deal with a few things this morning. So I want to talk, first of all, about dating and relationships of, of those, you know, I, and I, I, first of all, I want to talk to parents. You know, when you've got younger kids, like 10, you know, they're, you, you think, man, i got a long time. I'm just telling you, that age goes quickly, okay? So, so parents, if you, especially if you've got younger kids, preteens, I want to talk to you for just, some, just a moment. Let's talk about this season uh, of, the li- of the life. So I, I have, you know, kind of a working list of some things and, that uh, I'm going to present to you this morning. If you have any other thoughts, I would like to hear that. So dating and relationship, the parents, okay? Because parents, you've got some work to do and some decisions to make before they get old enough to enter into those relationships, okay? So you've got some thinking that you've got to do and some decisions that you have to make. So I'm going to walk you through some of that, all right? So as a parent, what qualities do you think your child should have before dating? Okay, what qualities do you think your child should have before dating? I want to just give you, I just want to give you a few of them uh, that, that I'm thinking through. And if you want to add to them, that's great. Number one, I think, I mean, how, when do we know that it's the right time for them to kind of get involved in relationships? Number one, I think... They need to be mature enough to have settled values, okay? They need to be old enough to know right from wrong and to understand what the boundaries are. There's got to be a certain level of maturity where they have settled values, you know, in their heart. And you have confidence in their settled settled values, all right? Something else. They need to know and understand your dating rules. We're going to talk about your dating rules in just a moment. But they need to know and understand the red lights, the green lights, all of that. Uh, So they they need to know that. Uh, Another, they need the strength to say no when they find themselves in uncomfortable situations. Okay, so they have settled values, but do they have the maturity if they find themselves in an uncomfortable situation to say, no, this is not right, I get, get me out of here. So we have settled values, but at the same time, do they have, you know, the maturity to say, to say no in those particular areas? And then another quality to look at, uh, are they mature enough to handle the inevitable breakup? Okay, now everybody breaks up. Okay, everybody cries. We all have our sad song. That's going to happen. But I'm just telling you, there needs to be a certain amount of maturity in their life so that when they have that breakup, it's momentary and as it doesn't shatter them where it affects their relationships the rest of their life, okay? So those are a few qualities that I I think parents need to consider. If you have some other things, I would love to hear that. We can make a little, little working group here, okay? So something else, parents, you've got work to do before you know, before we turn the green light on there. So number one, you know, what are, or what are the dating rules? What are your dating rules? And this may change over a period of time as they grow up, but there's some decisions that you have to make up front. First of all, what is the right age? Now that, that answer may come, you know, as you determine maturity on some things that we've already talked about. So 
that age, you know, is relative. Becky and I, we have our own age for our girls. I'm not going to tell you what that is because yours may be, you may come to a little bit different uh, decision and that's fine. All right, so what's the right age? How frequently can they be together in person? Okay, is this going to be every night? Are we going to date every night of every weekend? Is it one night? You got to kind of, you got to kind of work through what that's going to look like. How casual or how serious is the relationship going to be? You know, when they're, especially when they're younger, how, you know, how, how serious are we going to uh, keep that relationship? And that may change over a period of time as they get older. Format, group date, double date, car date. When can they go alone in the car? You, gotta, you need to think through some of that. I think God's will is the double date with the parents. That's God's will. And we don't go anywhere. We just sit around the kitchen table and just stare at them. That's God's will. Okay? But somewhere you got to figure out what that, what that looks like. Uh, curfew. Curfew. How late are they going to stay out? Okay? My, mine was always 11 o'clock. I was, mine was 11 o'clock. I'm like, Dad, you know, hey, 11. 11 o'clock, that's too early. He would say, there's nothing good that can happen after 11. And I would say, yes, because all the good people are at home. So let's change this trend, all right? So you got to figure, you know, curfew. If they're alone at your house, what are the rules? They're going to do a house date. Kind of what are the... What are, what are the rules there? And is this relationship part of the family circle? See, we made a decision that our girls aren't going to date away from our family. You know, that we're not going to have relationships with people that we don't know. You know, uh, they're, they're not just going to pick them up at the door and drop them back off. They are going to be part of the family circle. So uh, we're just, uh, we're going to, you know, stay focused on the family circle there. So you've got to make a decision on that. Now, let me just say to parents too, once you make those decisions, all right, you need to communicate that in advance as they're getting older. Show them the boundaries and that, they, that, that way they grow up knowing, hey, there's a plan when this emerges in my life. And then you don't have the conflict when you've got to figure some of this out when they're 16 and 17 and they're ready to go and you hadn't discussed it or thought about it. So I'm just saying as a parent, you got some work to do, and then you communicate that the way they get older, and then I think it, it's imperfect, but it can be a little seamless as they, as they get there. So, all right, so that's just some things for younger parents. If you have any other thoughts on that, I would love to, I'd love to hear that. Now, let me talk to every single age and stage, teenager, college age, post-college, young adult, 30s, 40s, 50, it doesn't matter, okay? I want to talk about friendship, dating, and beyond. Friendship, dating, and beyond. And I got some things, you know, that are non-negotiables in this that you need to consider, you know, as you're kind of developing relationships, uh, friendships, you know, and beyond. So I talked about this you know, a couple of weeks ago, but I want to say it again because it is, uh, you know, it's a non-negotiable. Number one, faith first. Faith first. Faith first, all right? First, Second Corinthians 6 says, don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership <clears throat> out of right and wrong? That's not a partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with the dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Don't link up with those that will pollute you. Okay, so he's just warning you. Let me just say 
about this too. If your beliefs, you know, and your love for Christ are the most important thing in your life, how can you give your heart to someone who does not share those basic fundamentals in their life as well? Not that they're bad or evil people. We're not saying that. We're just saying foundationally when it comes to your spiritual life and your values, at the very beginning of that relationship, there's some, you know, the, you have two different foundations there. So, so faith first. And then once you enter into that relationship, you know, the odds increase that they will become the ones that, that you will marry. So faith first is really important. Now listen, listen, questions you need to know the answers to. Okay, when you're entering in a relationship when it comes to faith first. Number one, how did they come to know Jesus personally? All right? You want to see and you want to know. Some people are pretenders. They are pretenders. They sing the choruses. They come to church, but their private lives are a different story. You want to know about the time that Jesus changed their life. That's important. Anybody can join a church and go to church, okay? Anybody can do that. So I'm not, I'm, I'm saying we're going to probe just a little bit deeper in that area, and we want to find out about their experience with the Lord. Another one. In your opinion, have they been growing spiritually? Listen to me. The sad fact is many Christians remain spiritual babies. They've been in church for a long time. So there's the fact that you might find someone in the church, but you're not on the same speed or the same track in spiritual growth as they are. Listen to me. If the person you're interested in has no interest in discipleship or worship or faithful church attendance, do not assume that that will emerge in their life later. Okay? Well, you know, I'll pull them along. You know, I'll be a good influence. No. Sometimes it happens, most of the time it doesn't. So if you want a relationship that's going to last through the storm, you need to find somebody that believes and loves Jesus as much as you do yourself. Okay, so faith first, faith first. Emotional connection and compatibility, very important. Now we go physical first. We look, what do they look like? What do they look like? It's like in the garden, Adam sees Eve, she has no clothes, and the first thing he says is, it is good, okay? We go physical first. That's our first, our first response, you know. But somewhere in our thinking when it comes about a future mate, we're just going, man, I hope God's choice for me will be good looking. I just hope, I hope. I had a young adult tell me one time, he was one of my college leaders, he said, you know, I've just come to the point where um, I'm going to marry whoever God wants me to marry, regardless of how she looks. As though God would look down one day and go, hey, you know what? I need you to take one for the team in this area, you know. There's a big reward for you later, okay? All right? All right? So we start with the physical. Uh, Helen Fuller from Match.com says that physical is important, but that smell is also important too, all right? Bring back aqua velva, all right? You know, in the old, like in old England, the women, they used to peel an apple, and they would put it under their armpit and work all day, all right? And then give it to the person that they were interested in so that that individual could have their aroma throughout the week. They called it the love apple. I think we need to bring back the love apple, Please don't. All right? So I'm just saying to you, 
We start physical first, but I want to say something over the course of time. People's bodies change. They age. Hair gets thin. Gravity begins to win out over all people. And if your one foundation of your relationship is only physical, you're going to have a problem later. That's why I'm saying emotional connection and compatibility are very important. Let me give you a couple things to think about. What are you looking for? Communication. Do you enjoy conversation with them? I mean, do you, you know, do you, do you enjoy spending time with them and conversation? You know, where you can sit over the coffee like for four hours, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Uh, can you really open up and talk to them or is it one-sided? You talk, they don't. They don't respond. Do they ever talk back to you? Do they ever kind of open up and talk back to you? So communication is important. Common interests are important as far as emotional connection, likes, hobbies, activities. Temperament is important. Sense of humor, is that important to you? You know, temperament is important as far as the emotional connection. How do they, hang, how do they handle anger and disappointment? Do they blow out, blow up? You know, what, what's the sense of their, of their temperament? That's part of the emotional connection. And then also connection with your family, if that's important to you. For Christmas and Thanksgiving, to have someone that you care about that is comfortable sitting around the Thanksgiving dinner table or coming over on a Friday night, that, those things are kind of important. So the second part is emotional connection and compatibility. Third is purity. I don't care. I touched on it a few weeks ago, and it doesn't matter what your age and stage is, okay? It's, it's purity. And if you don't stay pure in this area, it only complicates things for you later. First Thessalonians says it is God's will that you should be holy, that you should avoid sexual immorality, and that each of you should learn to control his or her own body in a way that is honorable and holy. So I'm only going to touch on this just for a moment, okay? So this just complicates the relationship part of that, especially the older that you get. Because every time you give your body to someone, and, and, and it happens, you know, using the term one flesh, it's like, you know, the, the wording is like you're glued together. You're glued together. And anytime you pull something apart that's glued, there is a tearing that takes place. And God is trying to prevent you from the emotional tearing that occurs later on, you know, later on in your life. So some of you think, especially if you're older, well, sex will cement the relationship for us when in actuality it only complicates things long term. So we stay, we stay pure. So if you're younger, if you're younger, you know, there was a day that your parents handed you the keys to the family car. And you had taken the written test and the, dri the driving test and you knew the rules. Because that car, as long as you obey the rules, is meant to be a blessing to you. You disobey the rules, it can cause harm in your life. The same with sex, especially if you're young, if you're, if you're a teenager, okay? God has given you that as a great blessing as long as you go by the rules on that, okay? If you, go, if you disobey the rules, it can bring harm to you and that's not God's plan for you. If you're older, if you're older, 30, 40, older, whatever, you know, uh, man, uh, you, you, may, you may think, well, there's a little pass for me. No, no, it's not. If, if we find ourselves single, we default back to purity. I had a lady, she was in my, in my previous church. She was probably 40, 45, 47. She came to my office one Friday. She's smiling. She's so happy. You know, she said, hey, I've, I've met somebody online. Let me tell you, I have no problem with that 
as long as the faith first and some things like that are honored, I have no problem. She said, he's coming into town this weekend, you know, and, and he's going to meet my family, and we're going to have dinner with my family. We're going to be in church on Sunday. He's a great Christian. I'm like, okay, well, hey, that's, you know, that's great. So I didn't see him that Sunday morning. I didn't think I saw him. Didn't see him that Sunday morning. Didn't think anything about it. She comes by my office on Monday about noon, and she is bawling. I mean, she is broken heaving. Oh, listen, I made such a terrible mistake. She said, he came into town. I let him stay at my house all weekend. You know, the implication from that. We spent the weekend together. I take him back to the airport. He tells me, you know, that he doesn't think we're compatible. She said, I'm just, I'm, I'm just broken. Okay. And, and I said, I stood up from my desk and I said with all compassion that I had in my heart, have you lost your mind? Are you crazy? He could have been a serial killer. I could be out in the woods picking up the pieces of your chopped up body this morning. What are you thinking? And she said, you don't know what it's like. She said, I was married for a long time and I am divorced and you don't know what it's like to, to have that kind of physical loneliness. And I said, you're exactly right. I don't know what that's like, but I'm not the one in the office crying. That's you. That's you. Now listen, listen. We stay pure. We, whatever season we find ourselves in, we stay, we stay pure. That's God's word. So I want to say that to you. The last, the last thing on dating and relationships and friendships, what about future plans and life goals? Okay. Sometimes in the church we go, well, if it's faith first, then everything's good. Not necessarily. You still have some more work that you need to determine. Are you both headed in the same direction with your life? Family, you know, family style, kids, home, church, vocation, and what role God plays in it all. There is some further conversation. So faith first is important, but we have further conversations about life compatibility and direction that we've got to, to determine later. So the first night, really, I talked to Becky about getting married. We've been dating a while, and we're sitting in the car, you know, just we just started to talk and about, you know, about getting married, and when we got through the conversation, I, I had no questions about her faith. I mean, she was faithful to church. She had left her church for my church, and that's so romantic. And she was playing keyboard in my worship band. I was the singer. She's the keyboard player, and that wonderful, you know. So I had no, no uh, questions about that. But I needed to know, as far as a life in the ministry, is she on the same page? So I handed her a list of 10 questions. And I said, hey, I, before we talk any further, I need to know what you think about these. And they were questions like, will we follow the ministry? I respect your career, but I have a call of God upon my life, and I don't know where that takes us. Well, can we follow the ministry? Or are you going to be okay if we find ourselves one day, you know, with little support? I'm bivocational. Are you going to be okay? It was questions like that. I needed to know that we were headed in the same direction in that area. So we decided to pray about it and fast for about a week or so. And then we came back. She took my list, and we, she started working down the list, answering the questions. 
okay, I thought I would know the answer to those questions. She answered them perfectly. And I said, well, that's, okay, that's great. That's settled. All right, well, we're, we're good. And she said, well, hang on. I have 10 questions for you. Hey, now, girl. Hey, hey, now. And her questions were like, will family become second, you know, in the ministry? Will we always feel disconnected? Will you always put the church in the ministry above, you know, the family? Important questions for her. I was just going to answer them in the car. She went, no, let's just take some time and pray over them, and you come back to me. So I just want to say, even when faith first is honored, there's another part of that about life compatibility and direction that you have to answer those questions as well, okay? So for dating, friendship, relationship, age and stage, it doesn't matter. Those are some non-negotiables now. But let me talk to single adults who are, who are a little older, okay? I, I have some understanding about this age and stage. I didn't get married until I was 30, okay? So my single life you know, post-college was much longer than I had thought, and it was not the way that I had it, that I had it planned, okay? So I just want to go, I've, I've walked through some of that. Now, I want to go back to 1 Corinthians 7. He spends a good amount of time in the midst of a chaotic church situation talking to those that are single or unmarried. And I've taken 1 Corinthians 7, and I pulled... The, the verses that just deal with singleness. And I want to read them. I'm just going to read them together. Then I'm going to kind of walk through that passage with you, okay? So this is kind of for older singles. So verse 7. I wish, he says, that all of you were as I am. That each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Verse 8. Now to the unmarried and the widows. I say it's good for you to stay unmarried as I do. But if they not, cannot control themselves, they should marry. It's better to marry than burn with passion. Verse 17. Nevertheless, each person, person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them. Verse 25. Now about the unmarried. I have no commandment from the Lord, but just a judgment as one who's, uh, who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of this present crisis... I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you engaged to a woman? Don't seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Don't look for a wife. But if you do marry, you've not sinned. If the unmarried married, she has not sinned. But those of you who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you from this. I would like, verse 32, I would like for you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of the world, how he, how he, can, how he can please his wife. His interests are divided. An unmarried woman is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world. Married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a way, in a right way, an undivided devotion to the Lord. So let me just comment on some of those things that he mentioned. So he says, if you can, be single. If you're okay with that, be single. And you can worship and serve 
the Lord frequently, or, uh, excuse me, freely. You can, find, you can find through vocation, church community, service. You can find purpose, community, and fellowship. He said if you're good with that, then enjoy that state and make sure that that state of life is fruitful. He also says everyone has his or her own gift, purpose, plan from God in this area, and embrace this season. So he said everybody's kind of walking kind of differently. you got your own gift, your own path. Now let me say when it comes to singleness, especially with older people, there's some different attitudes that, that emerge with adults, adult singles. One, I'm okay with my singleness. My needs are met. I have job, friendships, companionships. I'm, I'm good with where I am right now. Another is I'm okay with my singleness, but I'm open if the right person comes along. I'm not dying because I'm not in a relationship. If something happens, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm there. Another one, I am definitely looking. Ah, the radar is open all the time. I'm ready. You know, I'm ready to get married. And Paul said, if that's in your heart, do that with no reservation. There's not a problem with that. Others, I'm not really happy with my life right now. I, they're just, you know, they wake up for whatever reason, and they're just not, you know, they're just not happy. And I want to say singleness is a good life and one that is blessed by God, you know, as well. There's a blessing of God. And I want to I say, like, I, I didn't get married until I was 30, and and on this last one, I'm not really happy in my life right now. When I was 27, man, I just kind of bottomed out. I mean, I was just like, wow, what is going on with my life? I've got faith first. I'm serving God. But in my personal life, it doesn't seem like, you know, anything's happening. So one Friday night, <clears throat> I, was, I was youth pastoring not far from where my parents lived, and they called me. And they said, hey, you want to go get some ice cream? It's Friday night. I ain't got nothing going. Sure, free ice cream. Let's do it. So they come by. They pick me up. I'm in the back seat. They're in the front seat. We go get ice cream, okay? On the way back, for whatever reason, the rearview mirror and the lights, it hit where I could see myself in the rearview mirror sitting in the back seat of my parents' car with an ice cream cone. <laughs> Let me tell you, I felt as low as you. Listen. I'm like, this is where I sat when I was a toddler eating ice cream. Nothing's changed. I just, you got to be kidding, you know. And I mean, the further we were coming back to my apartment, I mean, I just was down. My parents said, hey, let's do this again. I thought, I am never doing this again. <clears throat> I went inside, you know, my, my apartment, and I said, hey, Hey, God, why, why do you care about my ministry, but you don't care about my life? I didn't say that, like, being rude or whatever. I just felt like when it came to ministry, things were going, but when it came to my personal life, you know, I just, you know, I just wasn't, you know, I just wasn't there, okay? Sometimes you feel that way. You feel that way. And I'll, I'll talk about some resolution in, in just a moment. So some people are, they're just not, they're not happy at, at the moment. You know, uh, other, other things. We live as a believer in whatever season we find ourselves by honoring God and living by his word. Our first identity is a believer, not a single person. So he says, whatever your state, we still honor God. We still live by God's word. He said, if you're engaged, don't break up. Go ahead and marry. He said, if you're single, don't seek to be married. But if that's in your, because there's work to do for the Lord. But if there are 
you know, if there's something that, you know, if you want to get married, go ahead and get married. And then it reminds us, too, marriage is not the perfect life either, okay? Because some think marriage is a day at Disney World every day, okay? And I will say some days it is. Some days it's a visit to Tom Brown Park as well, okay? So, you know, if you're thinking, I'm miserable here, but if I can just get married, then my life is stress-free and complication-free, that, that would be incorrect as well. And he says, when you're single, you know, when you're single, um, uh, you have clear focus on worship and serving and giving, and you can find purpose in that service. And he calls it undivided, uh, undivided devotion. So a couple things to remember. Um, being single is better than being in an unquestionable, I mean, excuse me, a questionable or unhealthy relationship. Being single is better than being in a questionable or unhealthy relationship, okay? Some people, they, they, they're, they're not happy where they're at, and they get into bad relationships, okay? So they fall for the lie that I'm the only one not in a relationship. Everybody else is in a relationship. Every movie, every TV, social media, and when they get when they're through with one, the very next weekend they go to somebody else. I'm the only one. And I'm just saying that is a false narrative and a lie. Some people get in questionable or unhealthy relationships because they feel they feel like they're, you know, they're they're not, you know, they're the only one here, but that's that's false anyway. So why why do people get in questionable or unhealthy relationships? Loneliness. Loneliness. I'm tired of sitting home alone. The home alone. The house is quiet. It's nice to get a call. It's nice to go. It's nice to go to dinner. So sometimes, because of loneliness, we get ourselves in questionable or unhealthy relationships. And I would just say to you, love when you are ready, not when you are lonely. Okay? You can get yourself into an unhealthy relationship just just because of loneliness, and that's not the answer. Low self-worth, low self-worth. Sometimes when people go through divorce or they have a bad relationship, they feel like they are damaged goods. I will never find anyone. They don't value themselves. You know, they don't value themselves uh, very highly. So they get into questionable or unhealthy relationships because there's like nobody else will be there. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just damaged, damaged goods. So they get into unhealthy relationships. Let me talk to those that are, Post-college age, maybe uh, 25 to maybe, maybe early 30s, okay? Because, you know, let me, let me just talk to you. You, you. you go through a season, or I did too, you know, like where you're the bridesmaid in every wedding. You're the groomsman in every wedding. And it's even more depressing when you're hosting the baby showers. You know, like of all your friends, I mean, you are, you, you're there and, and, and you just, you know, you just feel kind of miserable in your life. Well, what happens to in that area, if we're not careful, is that we can stop trusting the grand designer for our life and we start making compromises on things that that we know. So instead of faith first, we go, have you ever been to church on Easter? You ever been there on Easter? If you have, that's good. That's good. Felonies, no. Misdemeanors are negotiable, okay? We just, we start making, we start making compromises along the way. And I want to remind you of something. If you're kind of college age, early 30s, I want to remind you of a few things this morning. You cannot live your life by the milestones of other people. 
Okay, So if there are certain ages, certain friends that are getting married, you bless them, but that doesn't mean that's God's plan for you. If you believe that God is watching over you and he's got a plan for your life, you know, you can't live your life by the milestones of others. You rejoice with them, but you know that God has a plan and purpose for your life. Okay, Unhealthy relationships always turn out bad. They always turn out bad. Okay, Samson was in love with Delilah. All kinds of red flags, you know, and, and, it, and it cost him long term. So just, there, there's never a rebound on that. Unhealthy relationships always turn out bad because, and then once you get in an unhealthy relationship, sometimes we don't have the discipline, you know, we don't have the discipline or the strength to kind of acknowledge that ourselves. And man, we just keep walking down that path. And then listen to this. When I'm in an unhealthy relationship... It keeps me from finding the right relationship. All right? You're clogging up the way that God may want to use to unfold his plan for your life. If you're in an unhealthy relationship, there may be a season that God's going, hey, I got somebody for you, but you got somebody in your life that shouldn't be there. You're at dinner one night on a Friday night, and God brings by his man for you, but you're at dinner with the parolee who's out that weekend. All right? So I'm just saying, sometimes when we're in bad relationships, we close off the opportunity for God to bring the right relationships as well. Something else. Don't be afraid to step out and take a risk either. You never know, you never know where a relationship may lead. All right? So Ruth... One night, she gets up out of her house, goes and finds Boaz, lifts up his blanket, and sleeps at his feet, okay? She took a risk, all right? Now, let me just say, don't, don't do that today, all right? That's breaking and entering today. That, that won't work, all right? But I'm just saying in the spirit of that, you know, she, she took a risk, all right? So if you've gone through a divorce and you feel like your heart is healed, and you're ready, you know, it's a, you, you have to take a risk. You're learning to trust again. If marriage is in your heart, you know, it, it's okay. It's okay. If I risk and open my heart, I might get hurt. And that is correct. But if you don't risk and open your heart, you might can miss God's unfolding plan in your life in that area. So at some point, you got to go... I'm not just going to sit at home and wait for someone to knock on the door and go, hey, I'm God's person for you. It's not going to happen. At some point, you've got to take a little risk, and you've got to get out there yourself. I want to talk to widows for just a moment. Brent and the worship team, you can come. Widows, they're older. The Bible gives us a, a beautiful picture of a woman named Anna. She was married very young. And she was married for seven years, and her husband died, probably early 20s, 30s. Married seven years, and her husband died. She never remarried. The next glimpse of Anna we see is when she's 80 years old. She lived her life. But that, you know, as a, as a widow. But the picture of where we see Anna was she's at the church, and she's praying. She's seeking God, okay? 
Because it said she stayed around the church a lot. She found a value and a purpose in her relationship with God. And she's at the church one day, and she looks over, and there's this little couple standing there in the temple with a little boy named Jesus. And she goes over and has this wonderful, wonderful revelation of God. You know, I want to say, you're widowed. Stay close to the Lord. You never remarried. That's okay. There's value and purpose in your life. Don't grieve and cry all the time. Don't spend all your days looking at the photo book of the life that you used to have. Okay? I'll give you one day. Okay? One day's photo book and crying day. Okay? Outside of that, I want you to know if you're widowed, God has a plan for you. Enjoy the days that you have right now. Don't live your whole life in grief. Know that God loves you. There's a community of faith that loves you. Heaven's coming one day. You'll be able to recount all the good things, but while you have days here, find purpose and value. And Anna found those in prayer and worship. As a close, I want to speak to our church body as a whole, and then I want to pray. We as a church body, the married couples here, need to be respectful of those living single lives. Okay? If we believe that God has different stations for people, we need to be respectful of that. We need to be careful that in our well-meaning teasing, like I'm going to find you a spouse, what are you doing? Our well-meaning teasing, sometimes, most of the time it rolls off of a single person. Sometimes it stings. Okay? Sometimes it kind of shapes inadvertently. You know, singleness, you know, can't find, you know, can't find a spouse. Because we value every age and stage here. So I just want to be, want you to be mindful of, of that. Single people love fellowship as well. And sometimes as couples, we are less likely to invite someone like to lunch because they're single. Well, they're single. They wouldn't feel comfortable you know, sitting with us? Well, you don't know that, number one. People are hungry for connection. Everybody is. So why don't you go ahead and invite them? And if they don't feel like they want to go, they can decline. But in their heart, they can walk away going, hey, I had an invitation to lunch, okay? Because I'm telling you, once you get to the lunch table and you're eating dinner or lunch, You're not conscious in that moment who's married, who's single. You're talking about life and all of that. So, you know, it's not as awkward to the single, to the single. If you get the invitation, somebody's invited you, don't go, oh, Lord, table for seven. I know what that means. I know what that means. You know what? You know, trust in the fact that somebody wanted your company there. And if you feel comfortable with that, enjoy that meal. If you're going to go home depressed, go get ice cream, eat a gallon of ice cream. You know, we, we, we understand that. So, see, part of the social life of the single should come from the church and faith community. That's what we are here for. So in your minds, to those that are married, I don't want you to think married and unmarried. I want you to think faith community, okay? If we say that there's purpose and service and purpose and community to the singles, then we need to allow 
those relationships, allow those relationships to develop. Okay. All right. So I want to, I want to pray. And again, to my single brothers and sisters, we love you. We love you. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm proud of the journey that you're walking. I'm proud of the journey that you're on. Everybody's got different needs as they cannot kind of walk through that life. And I just want to pray over that. But, you know, let me say too, you know, if you're, if you're single and you think all needs are met in a relationship, you're wrong. Okay? If I'm just getting married, there'll be certain needs, you know, met in my life. Sometimes married couples find that out. Sometimes they have, there are certain needs that only God can meet that you won't find in relationships, okay? And if you're here today, for whatever reason, however God is working in your life or on your life, and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you've kind of strayed, I, I just, you know, I, I want you to know we love you. I'm praying for you. I'm going to pray for you now that you would find purpose and value in, in relationship. Hey, the ultimate relationship is the one, you know, with Jesus. And I'm just going to pray and that you'll know Jesus, that you'll open your heart up and allow him to work in your heart and life. And I'm going to be down here at the front at the very end. And I'd love to talk to you about that, about that faith journey. So can I just pray this morning? Can I pray over, over our singles? So Lord, today, I thank you for every, every single young adult, every single older adult, those that have walked through a time of divorce, those through those that have been widowed, Lord, I pray over them this morning. So I pray for all of our teenagers. Lord, I pray for all of our, those that are still in high school, Lord, that are still trying to figure out relationships. Lord, I pray, God, I pray that you will speak to their life. I pray that they would honor you in every way. Lord, they've got some of the most important decisions to make upcoming and they need to honor you. So Lord, I pray, I pray for them. I pray for every parent. I pray with every parent, high school and college. Lord, we pray for the right person to come. God, we pray that you'll keep away those with ill intent for, uh, for our child. Lord, we pray you'll keep them away. Even if it causes them a season of loneliness. Lord, we want the right person. So as parents, we pray, we pray over our kids. We pray over our, 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 our high school, college age kids. God, I pray. I pray for those that are 25 and above. Lord, as they're kind of trying to see where life's taking them after after kind of college age, I pray for wisdom. I pray for direction. I pray that those promises are going to work, uh, work in their life. I pray for those that have walked through divorce. They've walked through divorce. Lord, I love them. I pray for healing Lord, I pray for restoration in their life. And Lord, in the right time, if it's in their heart, when they feel whole and healed, I pray that that right individual would emerge. I pray over them today. I pray over those that are widowed. And Lord, maybe their life is is with grief. Maybe their life is today is framed by a life that was in the past. God, I pray that you would speak to those that are widowed today. You love them and you value them. And they are here on the per- in this earth for a purpose looking forward. You have a plan for their life. God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Lord, and I, I read over, I read over these promises and I pray them over 
them again. Seek first His kingdom and righteousness and all other things will be added to them. Lord, I pray the promise. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lead into your own understanding in all your ways. Submit to Him. He'll make your path straight. I pray the promise. Jeremiah 29. I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Lord, I pray. I pray all those promises working. All those promises working in their, uh, on, on their behalf, Lord. I give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.